Please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 79. Psalm 79. Psalm 79 is a prophetic psalm by Asaph, the servant of David. Follow me as I read it to you. <clears throat> o God, the heathen are come into thine inheritance. Thy holy temple have they defiled. They have laid Jerusalem on heaps. The dead bodies of thy servants have they given to be meat unto the fowls of heaven, the flesh of thy saints unto the beasts of the earth. Their blood have they shed like water round about Jerusalem, and there was none to bury them. We are become a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and derision to them that round about us. How long, Lord? Wilt thou be angry forever? Shall thy jealousy burn like fire? Pour out thy wrath upon the heathen that have not known thee, and upon the kingdoms that have not called upon thy name. For they have devoured Jacob, and laid waste his dwelling place. O oh, remember not against us former iniquities. Let thy tender mercy speedily prevent us, for we are brought very low. Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of thy name, and deliver us, and purge away our sins for thy name's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is their God? Let him be known among the heathen in our sight by the revenging of the blood of thy servants which is shed. Amen. Let the sighing of the prisoner come before thee. According to the greatness of thy power, preserve thou those that are appointed to die and render unto our neighbors sevenfold into their bosom their reproach, wherewith they have reproached thee, O Lord. So we thy people and sheep of thy pasture will give thee thanks forever. We will show forth thy praise to all generations. Amen. Amen. In 2 Samuel 7, David has a wonderful exchange with the Lord on building him a house. And the Lord telling David instead that he will build David a house. The psalmist Asaph was quite likely a witness to that exchange. And he also saw David's efforts in preparing for that house in the following years. And then we jump in the future to Second Chronicles 5. The temple that David planned and financed was completed by Solomon. Asaph was part of his grand opening in Second Chronicles 5.12. He praised God together with the other Levite singers during the dedication of Solomon's temple. Asaph also knew the surrounding infrastructure of the city of Jerusalem. After all, David and Solomon were the ones who built the vast majority of the city during Israel's most prosperous years. In Psalm 79, Asaph saw in a vision of the city of the Jerusalem and the temple of God being destroyed by the Babylonians. This was probably right after the dedication of the temple in 2 Chronicles 5. Nebuchadnezzar was the one who destroyed Solomon's temple, which was a building that Asaph would recognize from a few hundred years before. He didn't see, he didn't recognize the Babylonians because David did not have to fight the Babylonians. But he definitely recognized Jerusalem's geography and he recognized buildings, especially the temple that was just built. 
And we know that Nebuchadnezzar was not known to be a gentle character. So the methods that he saw, that Asaph saw in his vision, may have been quite disturbing. In verse 4, Asaph notes the damage done to Israel's reputation. Israel became a reproach to its neighbors, a scorn and a derision to them that were around them. This was different from, Is- from Asaph's time because Israel's reputation was great yes. during Is- Asaph's time. David was Israel's greatest king, and Solomon was Israel's richest and wisest king. Right. It was the best time in their history in prosperity and peace. The nations around them knew that God was with Israel, and they paid tribute. They also knew about Israel's God through yes. stories of Moses with Egypt and Joshua subduing Canaan and various judges delivering Israel and then David conquering all the nations around them. Yes. But Israel's reputation being spoiled was actually not a new issue because both David and Moses had prophesied about it. For example, in Deuteronomy twenty-eight thirty-seven, Moses said, And thou shalt become an astonishment a proverb, and a byword among all nations, whither the Lord shall lead thee. Or in Psalm 44, David will say, Thou makest us a reproach to our neighbors, a scorn and derision to them that are round about us. Thou makest us a byword among the heathen, a shaking of the head among the people. Israel's reproach is also confirmed by Jeremiah, who said, And I will deliver them to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth for their hurt, to be a reproach and a proverb, a taunt and a curse in all places whither I shall drive them. This is in Jeremiah 24. So we see that Jerusalem is being destroyed. We see the temple being destroyed. Asaph saw that in a vision. But note Asaph's priorities in the midst of all this destruction. He did not care about Israel's financial losses due to the invasion. He did not care about the royal palace or the city being razed. He did not mention that his family home was being burned down or that his horses and chariots that he gave to his descendants were being destroyed. He did not ask God about his bank accounts or he did not ask God about his 401k balances losing value due to invading armies. But he first mourned the loss of the temple of God because he valued the temple of God and the worship of God most highly. He also mourned the loss of life for God's people. He mourned for God's people that were also taken into captivity. He saw their sighing to God about their imprisonment. Asaph mourned because he loved God's kingdom and God's people. He loved the assemblies of God's people. He loved all aspects of congregational worship. Wonderful. And after lamenting the loss of God's temple and people, Asaph then mourned the reputation of the nation. He was a proud citizen of Israel after all, and he cared about Israel's standing in the world. Look at his priorities. Asaph had holy priorities. He saw armies invading and destroying, but he cared firstly for God's worship secondly for God's people, and then lastly for his nation. He was a Christian first, he was a church member second, and lastly he was a citizen of Israel. And Asaph was an intercessor as well for Israel, just like Daniel, Moses, Samuel, and David. Mm 
and like him, we can be intercessors yes. for America. This psalm also shows us fantastic methods in the art of persuading God in verses 5 to 12. Asaph uses multiple angles of reasoning with God and pleading with him for mercy and deliverance. In verse 5, Asaph appeals to God's merciful nature and how severe this punishment was to Israel. He knew that although God would scourge his children like a good father would, but at the same time he pities his children and knows their weaknesses and fragility, which Asaph appeals to. Asaph knew that Israel probably deserved judgment, but at the same time he pleaded mercy for the sake of the righteous in the nation that may be harmed beyond what they could take. Micah also appeals to God in the same way in Micah 7.18, who says, who said, Who is a God like unto thee? that pardoneth iniquity, and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. In verse 6 and 7, we see Asaph persuading God to redirect his wrath elsewhere. He saw the heathen that did not care about God, nor worshipped him, destroying Israel. And he knows that although Israel had some faults, They were still God's people and children, and that the heathen were offending God directly. This was his rationale. So if God loves the righteous and hates the wicked, why should the righteous receive his judgment more than the wicked? And he also thought that if the heathen were not part of God's people and did not know or acknowledge Jehovah and Israel, and Israel had a remnant of righteous men that honored Jehovah and lived righteous lives, Why should God judge Israel? What we can learn is that our personal righteousness can and should be our bargaining chip to use before the throne of God. Asaph also points out the sins that the wicked have done in Jerusalem's destruction, and he pleads for God's revenge. He was not fatalistic at all. He did not just accept the judgment. Asaph knew that Jehovah hates all sins and all the sinners that commit those sins, and he asked for revenge. God may be holding his judgment on some sinners for some reason, but do not let our lack of prayers be that reason that he delays judgment. The righteous man should go boldly before the throne of grace regularly and lay out any complaints and petitions and leave it to the Lord to answer in his time. God wants us to do it because he says in James 4 2 ye have not because he asked not he also says in John 16 24 that hitherto have ye asked nothing in my name ask and ye shall receive that your joy may be full verses 8 to 13 shows more of Asaph's holy persuasion in redirecting God's wrath and judgment from Israel to Babylon and Israel's neighbors that did not help God's people. Asaph pleads for mercy in verse 8 because God our Father is very merciful. He asks for the forgiveness of the nation's sins. Yes. Yes, Lord. Asaph appeals to tender mercies because a father would pity his children tenderly. And pleaded, he, he also pleaded for a speedy prevention so that 
God will deliver them speedily out of big trouble. In verse 9, Asaph also appeals to God's glory if he would save Israel. Yes. God is glorified if he saves his children, and Asaph knew it and reminded God of it. He reminds God of promises, not just of eternal salvation, but also temporal salvation in this life. Yes. He knew that Israel's sins were a hindrance, but at the same time, the Lord can remove the hindrance himself by forgiving any sin. The Lord wants to glorify himself through his great works, and this was the leverage that Asaph used. Amen. When was the last time you leveraged God's glory in that same way for him to do something in your life? Right. In verses 10 to 12, Asaph also appeals to God's reputation that could be spoiled yes. if he does not provide divine resistance to the heathen's agenda. Amen. The heathen would blaspheme God's name if Israel was not revenged in full. He knew that the omniscient God could hear even the sighing of the prisoners, and he could preserve them very easily with his great power. Asaph did not only ask for an equal revenge, but instead he asked that the neighbors be rendered a sevenfold recompense for their crimes against the Lord. It's not fair, isn't it? But God's reputation and power is very important yes. to him. Why not ask him to show it? In verse 13, Asaph pulls out the final trump card. He says, If you save us, we will praise you, both now and forevermore. Our God deserves all praise, and he wants to be praised. And Asaph promises that praise from all his sheep throughout all generations. If he delivers Israel, We'll praise you if you deliver Israel forever. Your yeah. praise, your praise can affect God's actions. Right. Are you leveraging your praise to God? Yes. This psalm and its fulfillment, because it was fulfilled, can be summarized in one verse. James 5.16 The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Asaph's requests were fulfilled in fantastic ways. Not only, this is one way, not only did Nebuchadnezzar destroy Jerusalem, he also destroyed Israel's neighbors that were mocking Israel. So we went through Isaiah, so these things should be familiar to you. Isaiah 15.1, the burden of Moab. Isaiah 17.1, the burden of Damascus. Isaiah 19.1, the burden of Egypt. Isaiah 21.11, the burden of Duma. Isaiah 21.13, the burden upon Arabia. Isaiah 23.1, the burden of Tyre. All these things were Nebuchadnezzar yes. over these nations. Asaph's prayer was also saving, also saved the Jews from Babylonian captivity. And yes. they were saved not by any ordinary way, but instead through the greatest military operation and conquest in history, Darius the Mede and Cyrus the Persian diverting the Euphrates and conquering the impregnable city of Babylon in one night. Right. That was how his yes. prayer was fulfilled. And he was, his prayer was also fulfilled 
by Cyrus specifically proclaiming throughout all his kingdom that the Jews were allowed to return to Jerusalem to rebuild the city and temple that Asaph saw destroyed with Persian tax money. And his prayer was also fulfilled by the earthly city of Babylon that has been desolate heaps, mounds, stones, and ruins for more than 2,000 years. The Persians didn't like Babylon, and they abandoned Babylon for Shushan. Alexander the Great could not revive Babylon, and Saddam Hussein could not rebuild Babylon. He tried. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Asaph was a righteous man. He saw a terrible vision, and he pleaded with God for deliverance for the righteous and punishment for the wicked. And you can see the results of his prayer even today. Look at Babylon. Where is it now? The same God, the God of Asaph, has given us better revelation from the New Testament. Some of the details that he has put in the vision within the New Testament, in your Bibles, is as terrible as what Asaph saw. What will you do about it? Will you effectually pray? And will your prayers avail much? Lord, help us. Amen. Let's sing hymn 226 in the burgundy. Amen. <clears throat>